And over the last couple of weeks, we've been sharing vision with you. Um, and so this is the, the second value in the list of five. And um, we want to pursue all of these values and see them come to fruition in the church. So John and I shared two weeks ago the five values. And the first one was uh, the value of pursuing the heart of God, which John looked at last week. And so what I'm speaking on today is discovering our God-given purpose. And it's, it's just one part of an overall bigger picture. So if you've missed the last two weeks, then I really encourage you to catch up with those on the podcast. And then you, you can see how this fits in with the overall picture of everything else. Okay, so the second value, helping people find their God-given purpose. And uh, before we look at this in detail, we're going to read from Romans 12, 1 to 8. I'm going to read from ESV, but as we go through, um, I'm going to be reading bits from the Passion Translation, which I'm quite getting into at the moment. And I think it, it helps to have a couple of different translations, because it gives you kind of a fuller, bigger picture of, of what's being said. <coughs> so this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Rome. And he's painting a picture of what the overall church should look like in terms of serving God and serving the body of Christ. And so he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members not, do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so uh, just before we start and get really into this, I just want to define spiritual gifts. Um, I, th I see them as the gifts that God has given us to be used in service in the church, to show God's love and to show this to other people. And so apparently the gifts are not all in one place in the Bible, but scholars have kind of put them together and created this list. And so... The questionnaire that we've got for you at the end um, has got a, a list of nine gifts, nine possible gifts, and you, you would get a score on each of these. So I'm just going to let you know what these gifts are. So it's evangelism, prophecy, teaching, exhortation, shepherding, showing mercy, serving, giving, and administration. So when I'm talking about spiritual gifts, then that's the kind of what I'm referring to is that list of gifts there. So the verses that I've just read are talking about the gifts that God gives us. Um, but before, before Paul really gets into that, he uh, ensures that we have the right attitude towards serving God. So he tells us that our service to the church is, be, is beyond 
sorry, goes beyond that ourselves and it is a response to God's love. So he appeals to us to live a life that is a constant outlet of worship to him. And he reminds us that everything we do is to reflect God and show our love towards God. So it's only in worship to God and in pursuing the heart of God, like John talked about last week, that we can actually find our God-given purpose and our God-given gifts. And God wants us to be transformed from the inside out, again, so that can only happen in pursuing him. Then we're able to figure out what God's will is for us. We need to be constantly bringing our attention to focus on God and daily renew our mind, as it says in verse 2. God's will for us is made known to us when we have that relationship with him and when we seek him. I think sometimes we can get a bit confused about this term, God's will. We can get a bit bogged down and lost in the detail. And God's will is not necessarily about things of life like how many children I will have or what career to pursue or what car I should drive. But I think that God's will is more about knowing who we are and it's living that out. We can often see God's will as something out there that we should go in search of and then start living it. But what if God's will is already inside you? What if it's already the very core of who God made you to be? What if we were to stop looking out there for a path that God wants us to take and start looking inwardly at who we have been created to be? So Romans 12 verse 2 says that if we renew our minds starting within us, being transformed to become more like Jesus, then we will know what God's will is. Relationship with God is key to finding our gifts and purpose, and it all starts with a change of heart and a change of mind. God gives us spiritual gifts, and using those gifts means that we are living within God's will. Your gift is always going to be in harmony with God's will because it is a gift that God has given you. It's a tool for you to use and to be able to live within his will and purpose for your life. So if this is true, then our emphasis shifts from finding out God's will in terms of things that I should be doing with my life to discovering what my God-given gifts are and using them to glorify God in whatever it is that we do. Finding and implementing your spiritual gifts leads to fulfilling God's will. And I think this is really good news because it means that there isn't just one path that God has for you. And if you miss it, then that's it, game over. It means that as long as we are using our God-given gifts, then we are following God's will. We are in line with his will for our lives. And that can show itself in a million different ways. So Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I like the Passion Translation of this same verse, which says, even before you were born, God planned in advance your destiny and the good works that you would do to fulfill it. So like John was saying when he opened up this morning, God has had a plan for you since the beginning of time. He created you. He knows you. He's given you gifts and abilities and passions to live within his will and purpose for your life. So we need to be using our time to find out what gifts God has given us as individuals to be able to walk in this and to be able to fulfill God's plans and purposes. And this core value of Hope Church is helping you to do that. 
to discover your unique gifts and then to equip you to start using them, finding purpose. 1 Peter 4, 9 to 11 lists some of these gifts and it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to bring him, sorry, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so again, Peter is emphasizing that we use our gifts to glorify God in everything we do and that we are striving to use our gifts with excellence. But I find it really interesting that just before this, in verse 8, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So we use our gifts to love one another. We show love and grace when we get things wrong, and we also try to work together using our individual gifts to get things right and serve God well. So using our gifts show that we love God, but it also shows that we love people. The human body functions best when all parts are first of all present and second of all working together. And it's the same within the body of the church. So first of all, we need to be present to use our gifts. And second of all, we need to be working together in unity. God gives each one of us a function and a role to play within the body of the church. And none of these is more important than another. You might be a little toe, which can seem fairly insignificant. But without the little toe, the body becomes out of balance and that affects everything. So if we really just consider this for a moment, the little toe doesn't really have any effective muscles in it. But if you lean off balance and you start to fall, your little toe sends a signal to your brain that says, out of balance. And then the brain sends a signal to the other various muscles in the body that can put that right and keep you from falling. So without the little toe, there is a risk that the whole body will fall. And whatever role you have in the body, you are needed and important. Romans 12, verse uh, 4 to 5 in the Passion Translation says, In the human body there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function, and so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another, with each contributing to the others. I love that, vitally joined. We are all vitally joined to one another. You are vital in the part that you play in the body of the church and in the overall body of Christ, when it all comes together to fulfill God's purposes. And this idea of unity in the body and using our gifts is also talked about in Ephesians 4. In verses 15 and 16, Paul says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, <coughs> from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when we work together, each using the gifts that God's given us, the body grows. 
So just as a human body grows and develops when it's taken care of, and if I each different part is exercised and used for the purpose it was created, then it benefits the body as a whole, and growth is inevitable. I don't know if you heard, but the week before last it was John's birthday. I know he was, he was really quiet about it, <coughs> but you may well have heard. I think somehow the word got out. Um, but anyway, on his, on his actual birthday, it was a Thursday, and so we had the toddler group here in the afternoon, and then we were doing Alpha in the evening, so I decided to take John out for breakfast. And we went to Giggly's, which is just down the road from us. And our next-door neighbours, a mother and son, both work there, and they were both working when we went in. So we had a, a bit of a chat with them, and, and the mother, who is the chef, started to recommend all the things on the menu from the, the cooked breakfast items, and she was telling us how excellent the food was and, you know, listing it all. And then she said to us, well, whatever you choose, I'll be making it so I know it will be good. <laughs> and so we, we both ordered and we had our full English breakfast with slight variations. And it was excellent. The food was excellent. Highly recommended. And then as we were leaving, our, our neighbour came out of the kitchen and she said, well, how did you find the food? How was it? And we said, yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. It was really good. And she looked really pleased with herself, but also not at all surprised that we had enjoyed her food. And, and I just was saying to John at the time, I said, that there is somebody who knows what they're here for. They know, she knows what she's good at, and she's doing it, and she's getting on with it. And, uh, and she wasn't like, arrogant with it. Our neighbour is not British, by the way. Um, and we seem to have this, this British culture, don't we, of one extreme to the other, that that either we do ourselves down and we say we're rubbish at everything or um, we question if we've done a good enough job or, you know, and we think we're being humble in that, but actually we're not. Or we can be the other extreme where we puff ourselves up to be too big and it comes across as, as arrogance. But when we discover the spiritual gifts that God's given us, we can speak out just as our neighbour did. We can say with confidence, I know that this is what I've been put on this earth for. I know that I'm good at it, and I know I can do it. I can do it well. So Romans 12, verse 3, again in the Passion Translation, puts it this way. It says, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. So I know it's, it's our desire, mine and John's desire, that each of you would see your true value because each and every one of you are valuable. And also that you would see yourselves with an appropriate level of self-esteem, that you would know that you were made for something and also remain humble within that. So our attitude needs to be one of knowing who we are and whose we are knowing that God has placed me here for a reason with these gifts and these abilities, with these passions and desires, and then confidently working from that place. And we also need to be aware of comparing ourselves to others. There can be an element of thinking that your purpose or role is not as impressive as somebody else's and vice versa. But 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. 
And verse 18 later on says, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So there's really no sense in us comparing or being jealous of another person's spiritual gifts because God chose you to have the gift that he has given you. He chose to give you the passions and desires of your heart. He chose to fulfill the purpose that he has given you. And we've already talked about the importance of the little toe. And every part of the body has a role to play and is equally important as another. So if we have another look at Romans 12, 6 to 8, again in Passion Translation, it says, God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, <coughs> then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. So this section of Romans, it talks about practicing our gifts with passion and enthusiasm. But before we talk about that, there's this little part that says, use, using the proportion of faith you have. Or verse 3 says, to use your gifts each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So what is this saying? Well, I think that it recognizes that each of us is on a journey towards walking out our purpose and that our faith gradually gets bigger as we start to use our gifts. So if I can show you how this has worked out in my own life. So when I was around 20 years old, I did a spiritual gifts course and questionnaire um, in my own home church. And I scored highest on shepherding, which is kind of like pastoring. And my top spiritual gifts now are shepherding and teaching. And my passion and my heart is for children and young people, and it always has been. So the gift of shepherding is about caring for the needs of others and wanting them to grow spiritually and emotionally. And then teaching is about communicating knowledge in a way that helps people to better understand it. So the role of youth and kids pastor is an absolutely perfect fit for me and I've been employed in that role for nearly three years now. It also makes sense for me to be in a role that teaches good mental health to young people. It makes sense for me to be standing here teaching you today, and also to oversee pastoral support for people. And these are all things that I want to do, that I can do, and that I am good at doing. But it has been a journey for me to get to this point where I can say that with confidence, that this is what I am here for. So when I was 12, I was no longer able to go to the holiday club because I was too old. It was a very sad day. But I became a helper in the church, working alongside an adult with a small group of children. And by the time I was 16, I was leading my own small group of children within the holiday club. And I started to help in the youth club that was for age 11 to 14. I also began to lead a Sunday school group. And by the time I was 18, I was helping to run the church youth club. And, and John and I also had that role in our previous church before we came here. And these roles all felt natural for me to do, and I progressed naturally through them. 
My education choices have also been impacted by my passions and my spiritual gifts. I've studied education, I've studied counselling and psychology. Not because I knew that these fitted in with my God-given gifts and passions. To be honest, that didn't even cross my mind. But I just was naturally drawn to these areas because that's how God made me. But it has been a journey. I didn't do a questionnaire in my 20s and then find out my gifts and passions and then immediately become employed as the youth pastor and then uh, the next week be preaching on the platform and then the week after that be writing a, a mental health course for young people. I would have floundered and failed if I'd have been put straight into those roles. But God gave me opportunities as a gradual progression to start using my gifts in proportion to my faith. It's only at this point in my life, after years of serving in the church, after years of discovering who I am and discovering how best to use my God-given gifts and passions, that I can step into this next phase of the purpose that God has called me to. So at the start of my journey, I didn't have the same proportion of faith that I have now. My faith has grown alongside my ability to use my gifts. My faith has grown as my relationship with God has deepened and as I've taken the next step into what he's called me to do. My faith is still growing. It's all connected and it's all related. And we appreciate that everybody here is at a different step in their journey. But it's our job to help you to take the next step, whatever that looks like for you, to help you to grow your faith to the next level and give you opportunities to practice your gifts and abilities from where you are now. So discovering our gifts is about finding our purpose. It's about coming together in unity. It's about growing in faith. And finally, it's about passion. We need to practice and use our, use our gifts in order to see them grow. But to do this and to keep going with it, the passion side of it is really important. If we're not passionate about using our gifts, then we won't last long. I believe that God gives us a passion in line with our gifts to make sure that we have the motivation to keep going with it. As I've said to you, I've been working with children and young people now for over 25 years, and I still want to do it. I still have a passion for it. But if we ended up serving in an area that we're not passionate about, then this leads to frustration or confusion. But when we know what our gifts are and we're placed within the correct role, that frustration is removed. We serve from a place of passion rather than duty and it becomes a lot easier to serve. If you think of your own employment or the things that you do day to day, there are parts of that role that you enjoy and that you can get passionate about and then it doesn't feel like work. But the bits that you're not so passionate about, you may be put off or you don't do it to the best of your ability because it feels like much harder work. God does want us to live sacrificial lives, but that doesn't mean that he wants us to be miserable in them. Ecclesiastes 3, 12 to 13 says, I perceive that there is nothing better for man than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So it's God's gift to us that we actually enjoy the work that he has asked us to do and equipped us to do. God wants us to feel passionate about serving him and about living out the purpose that he's given us with enthusiasm and joy. 
So if you're not passionate about the role you're in, I would suggest you're either serving in the wrong place or perhaps you've lost focus on your love for God because we are called to love and show honour to God in our serving and all that we do. So serving and using our gifts in this way shouldn't be a chore or a duty. It should be seen as a privilege and an honour to serve God using the gifts that he's given us. We serve an incredible God who works everything together, giving each of us a unique part to play. And if we can't see that, then perhaps we have lost sight of our love for God. Attitude is so important. What are the motives behind doing what you do? Do you come to God daily and serve out of your love for him? Or is it a sense of duty to God or to the church? It might be out of a love for a person or a group of people. But it is so important that this comes out of an overflow of first loving God. So we've been looking at Romans 12, 1 to 8. And just after that, in verses 9 to 13, Paul says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So at the start of chapter 12, we've got Paul telling us to live a life of sacrifice to God and to show our love for God. And then the part that I've just read tells us that we love people as well as serving God. And this is sandwiched around spiritual gifts and service. And I don't think that this is a coincidence because the outworking of our love for God and of our love for people is shown through using our spiritual gifts to serve God and love people. We need to discover and then use our gifts to be able to serve and love God and to be able to serve and love people. And that's what we're all about. This is why the church exists. We want to show love. We want to be needed in our community. We want to impact people and change lives. We want to make a lasting impact. The overall purpose of every follower of Jesus is to love God and to love people. And you have a part to play. You have a unique set of passions, abilities, and God-given gifts. And that they fulfill a role and a purpose within a bigger picture. God's given each one of us the tools we need to do it. So how are we actually going to figure out everybody's spiritual gifts and passions? This is the exciting bit. <laughs> so we've printed out a whole load of shape questionnaires which we really encourage you to take away and fill in and we'd also really like you to make an appointment with John and I and um, so then you can meet with us and chat through your answers the shape questionnaire was first designed by Rick Warren who wrote the uh, what on earth am I here for course that we did in life groups last year and we've adapted his questionnaire to fit with our church better and we're going to use it to discover your shape and your place within the church. It looks at five different areas using the word shape as an acrostic. So the S is for spiritual gifts, which are your God-given gifts and the list that I read out to you earlier. Teaching, administration, giving and so on. The H is for heart, which is what you're passionate about, what your desires are, 
the people group that you care the most about. The A is for abilities, which looks at your natural talents, your skills, and your hobbies. The P is for personality, which looks at how you would put these gifts into action and where you're best suited to serve. And the E is for experience, which looks at your life experience, your employment experience, and your ministry experiences. And then these five areas come together to paint an overall picture of who God made you to be and what you were put on this earth for. And we hope to be able to give you an opportunity to practice and use your gifts, whether that's through serving in Hope Church or outside of these four walls under the banner of Hope Church. Of course, there's absolutely no pressure for you to do this, for you to take a questionnaire or to meet with us. But I would really encourage you to do that if you call Hope Church your home. So I'm going to be at the back today. I've already got my questionnaires ready to go. Um, and I'm going to be giving them out as you leave and, and giving you an appointment time if you'd like to. And then we will take it from there. So I hope that makes sense. <coughs> so I'm just going to finish by reading Romans 12, 1-2 in the Passion Translation. And it says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's mar marvellous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the absolute privilege of being able to serve you. We thank you that you give us gifts to equip us to serve you well and gifts that enable us to live in your will and live a beautiful life. I pray for each, <clears throat> I pray for each person here that they would experience more of your love, that they would know that you are for them and that you have a plan and purpose for them. I pray that you would make it clear to each individual that they have been placed on the earth for a reason and that you would help us to love each other and work together in unity to see your overall purposes come to fruition. I pray for those who've been serving for a long time already that you would reignite their passions, give them a new enthusiasm for serving you. And thank you for each person in this church who already serves and plays a role here. And as we move forward, we ask that you would give us wisdom and courage to step into all that you have prepared and planned for us to do here at Hope Church. Amen.